0: Smith & Jones, Tuesday edition, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you as we uh, begin a week, a day late after NHL trade deadline on Monday and we roll back into it today with Smith & Jones on a Tuesday and unfortunately, well we're talking about a loss for the Toronto Raptors. We missed out on the opportunity to discuss a big win coming on Sunday night as the Raptors beat the 76ers and then they follow up with a loss unfortunately last night. Uh, in Chicago, Jonesy. So they split the road trip, which is still a good thing, but obviously, uh, eh, not pretty. At least uh, in terms of how things unfolded last night, especially in the third quarter.
1: Well, I, I put it this way: e, they talked about, uh, you know, the five-game road, the six-game road trip, winning five in a row. The game against the Lakers was the seventh game on a nine-game road trip. We've talked about it. When you come back home for one game and then go again, that's no different from a road game. That, that's no different. Uh, so uh, on the nine-game trip, they went, they went six and three. That's the way I look at it. Um, last night, you could tell there was a, this classic back-to-back loss as they, the legs got heavy late third quarter, and, and that's really kind of where the game got away from them. Um, but that being said, uh, they've got to really kind of crank things up at home. Now they have a favorable, uh, home schedule to end the season. Uh, they've got 11 games left, uh, what, or 10 games left, 10, 10 games
0: left, left. 10 games left. And
1: eight of them are at home. Mm Mm-hmm. So go to work at home. Do your damage at home. And don't look too hard at the Brooklyn Nets creeping up behind you, only two games behind and two in the loss column uh, with the same number of games. So uh, you're one behind. Look ahead. You're one behind Cleveland. That was a big one last night in Chicago. But Chicago has a tough schedule. Chicago has a tough schedule. So uh, just, you know, claw your way. Try to get six. And if that happens, uh, then try to get five, although – I'm, I'm not sure if anybody wants the Boston Celtics right now the way they've been playing recently. Uh, but hey, if you get Milwaukee or you get to six and you end up with Mo- Milwaukee or Philly, certainly not afraid of Philly. Uh, Milwaukee is going to be a challenge defending champs, although they've never beaten Toronto in a playoff series. Uh, that being said, just get out of the play and if you can and and know you have a seven-game series and rest up.
0: Well, and, and that's why last night stings, right, Jonesy? Because, you know, you play the woulda, coulda, shoulda. Um, it, like, let, let me circle back for a second. I think your point is absolutely great about looking at that Lakers game as a, uh, an extension of the road trip. So then when the dust settles and you look at the last nine games with eight of nine actually on the road and that one home game feeling like a road game, you went six and three. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. I think if you look at a nine game road trip and you said, you know, or even just a nine game stretch period to win two thirds of your games to go six and three, do the math over the course of the season, you're going to have a hell of a record. So I think you still have to look at the positives of that. Um, But last night, again, playing that woulda, coulda, shoulda, how good would it be right now to be coming on the air and saying to the Raptor fan base, the Bulls, the Cavs, and the Raptors all have 41 wins? The Raptors are now even with the Cavs with the identical record. And they're only a half game out of fifth, a half game behind the Chicago Bulls. Like, that was the narrative going into last night. With the Raptors losing now, Chicago two and a half up on Toronto. The good news for the Raptors still is, though, in that battle for at least sixth, trying to get into that sixth seed. Cleveland loses last night to the Lakers. So... Toronto still only a game back, which now puts the spotlight on Thursday night that much brighter. It was already bright. It was already going to be important, but that is a massive game on Thursday, massive. And on your home floor, Jonesy, to your point, this is what I wanted to even start the show with without even planning this with you, was talking about home. I was on with uh, our friend, the Raj, last last night, Roger Lajoie. He asked me about this. I'm going to throw the same question to you. Do you have an answer as to why the Raptors have been so, I don't know, average at home this year? 17 and 16 for a team that has been dominant on their home floor in recent years and one of the best crowds across the association and only one game above 500. I'll save my answer that I gave Raj, but what do you think it is?
1: Uh, You know what? I think it's it's easier to... Um, it's easier to, to play the villain on the road. And their mentality, Their their I think their mental toughness shows through more on the road. You have to remember, some of those losses, home losses, were early uh, when they didn't have Pascal, didn't have a full team. Um, we're still trying to figure out roles. Uh, they have been better lately. But remember, what did they start? Two and seven at home? That, I believe I something so. I like believe that.
0: it. I, I believe it was that.
1: Like so, two and seven, and they're now seventeen and sixteen. So you, you know, you, you take it. You're fifteen and nine. you you It's better at home. It's been better at home. And and even in there, there were a lot of woulda, shoulda, couldas. Uh, the Cleveland game. I mean, those two the, those two losses to Orlando and Detroit. As many people will rue those losses, but. That was game number five and six in eight nights. I don't know if they win those even if they're on the road. They just happen to be you know, a rare home back-to-back and just the crunched part of the schedule because we're not going through it as much anymore. But when players and coaches and people were in, in health and safety protocols and you had guys in and out of the lineup – that meant some of those games were going to be crunched in somewhere else and, and here they are so um uh, i am not i'm not too worried the home record isn't great but I'm, I'm not too worried and i'm i'm waiting for this last 8 out of 10 at home you know if they in the last 10 games if they go 7 and 3 and they take advantage of home then i think they're they're going to be they're going to be really really okay your thoughts you know, per- i'd love to know well, your thoughts
0: yeah, I I think a lot of it is and maybe I'm maybe I'm putting on my uh you know, my I'm 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 looking at my wall here. I'm I'm checking for the degree, Jonesy. I don't see one in a frame on my wall here. But my psychoanalysis of it is look at the year it's been. Like even if we were prepared to wipe out last year and Tampa and that's in the rear view mirror, and they had a fresh start this year at home with camp and everything else, they went from a hundred percent capacity. To 50% capacity, to 0% capacity, no fans, half fans, fans masked and, and uh, unmasked and, and in and out and long road stretches and a, and a home heavy schedule that's coming at the end of the season, hence the reason we just talked about uh, eight of their last 10 coming uh, on their home floor. So I factor in all of that stuff and the intangibles of having to adjust to the fans. And I know that somebody else, somebody that's skeptical, could probably just say, ah, whatever, you got to deal with it either way. If you can play on the road in front of 20,000, then you should be able to play at home in front of 10 or 5 or 0. But I think that's a major adjustment for what this team has had to go through. And also, not to turn it all covid and political again or something, but I think the intangibles of what this team has dealt with in terms of different restrictions, for flying, for protocols, crossing the border, again, with the, the home fans or lack thereof. I think it's been a lot to adjust to and a lot to deal with. And I would argue perhaps then that being away has perhaps been easier, just life in general. Whether you agree with what was or maybe still is going on stateside and here as well, whether you agree with any of that stuff, I think you could argue that it might have been easier to be away than to deal with some of the stuff that's been happening here, both on and off the floor. And I, I, I think maybe I'm wrong. I think that factors in.
1: I, I, I give you that. I I'd give you that. Um, and that it kind of dovetails with what I was saying about, uh, you know, easier to be the villain on the road. It's it's a little mm-hmm, bit more mm-hmm. normal. Uh, and you're away from home, but it's a little bit no, more normal. There's no distractions. Uh, in in the words of 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 Nino Brown and G Money. We all we got like it's just us <laughs> and let's let's go after it. And so um uh, look, uh, like I said I'm I'm looking forward to this last 8 of 10 at home and and let's see and let's see let's see what gives.
0: Well, uh last night let's dig into it a little bit more unfortunately. Raptors losing to the Chicago Bulls uh Chicago Down one at the half, came out and uh, really took it to Toronto in the third quarter. The Raptors, uh, for a second straight game, having another long stretch. I can't even remember what it was uh, in the Philly game. I think it was two points in seven minutes or something uh, for the Raptors against Philly. And last night, six-plus minutes scoreless in the third quarter as well. And that was kind of the undoing, the unraveling, the Bulls leading by as many as 21 uh, in the second half and ultimately win the game by 14 113, 99 Uh, the final of that one uh, as the Raptors again lose to the Bulls last night and Chicago remains in fifth. Cleveland stays in sixth, Raptors in seventh after the ballgame. Fred Van Vliet talking about playing in the back-to-back in Chicago and just trying to navigate through the sore knee and some of his struggles of late.
2: So I understand the concept of it, you know what I mean? I probably uh, would be, you know, even – less effective than I was tonight if I would have played you know last night but it is what it is uh you know it's just one of those things where you just got to kind of take it day by day and figure it out as you go um certainly hard to gain a rhythm as you said um but you know it's all of this is difficult it's it's a difficult situation um and it's what I get paid to do so I got to figure it out uh certainly take ownership and responsibility for my poor performance and I'm looking forward to getting back on track.
0: Hey, Lance, let's jump to Nick Nurse here in a second. We're going to hear from Raptors head coach Nick Nurse and then go back to Fred VanVleet, but uh, some of the struggles that VanVleet was referencing in regards to the question that was asked. His shooting last night, Jonesy, 7 of 22 uh, from the floor, including 3 of 12 from distance, 19 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds in 37 minutes for VanVleet. And, uh, you know, again, maybe I'm I'm staring at that, that imaginary degree on the wall. I'm trying to read between the lines of what Fred just said there, Jonesy. He's clearly not 100% and trying to figure out no. how to play through the pain and play through the struggles, knowing how important it is for him to be on the floor and navigating through this final you know, three-week stretch, getting towards the postseason. Because um, I would think if this was November uh, or December, maybe he's sitting for a good long stretch, but now he and the Raptors are trying to find ways to get him ready or at least ready enough to play through some of these games and play through the pain.
1: Well, just yeah, you're right, just because of the time of the year it is. And, and you really look at the last 10, 12, maybe 15 games going into the playoffs and how you're playing. And that's when you want to be, Fred notwithstanding, your healthiest and have developed and fine-tuned your chemistry um, coming into the playoffs. And it, it's not a matter of getting into the playoffs. It's how you're playing going in and who you have as an opponent. Those are things that really kind of, you know, how the draw shakes out sometimes is luck. But you can control how well you're playing and what your chemistry's like going in to give yourself the best chances. And I'm sure that's part of the reason why the Raptors are kind of pushing it with Fred right now, just trying to get, uh, you know, a little bit of continuity, if nothing else, to keep him, even though he's not 100 percent, playing in tune with the team. Uh, you know, you, you can't take two weeks off and come back at playoff time like you can't. That's the most important time. That's when everybody's hopefully firing at full speed. Mm-hmm. And that goes for the other teams, too. It's tough to get on, you know, run and catch up and jump on that kind of moving train if you've had that much time off. So, uh, you know, just put your faith in the treatment and the rest and and, you know, what Fred's going to be able to do. And hopefully he's ready to go come playoff time at a hundred percent. I mean, even yeah. last night, yep. he he played thirty-seven minutes, mm-hmm. most on the team, you know.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. It's uh, it uh, thirty-seven minutes for uh, Van Vliet, nineteen points again on seven of twenty-two. In spite of the struggles that that Fred even acknowledged, Nick Nurse uh, after the ball game still liking overall what he saw from Fred.
3: Well, I don't think anybody played great tonight. I thought he I thought he came out and gave us a great start early. Um, uh, Eric. And again, he's he's um, you know, one of the leaders out there that's keeping us organized and keeping us going. So he had a tough shooting night. I I, I kind of knew I thought we were in trouble there when he had three or four wide open threes in a row and none of them went. You know, those probably would have kept us, you know, a couple of those go, those would have kept us in in reach a little bit more. Um So he had a tough shooting night, but he still played okay.
0: Just to be clear as well, as great as it was that it sounded like it was a personalized clip from Nick Nurse referencing Eric. It was actually Eric Kareen from The Athletic that asked that question. Not me, but I like the fact that it kind of sounded a little bit personalized right there. More from Nick Nurse as he addressed what we talked about a little bit earlier, Jonesy, when things unraveled in the third and ultimately what went wrong in that quarter.
3: My first always... um uh, analysis of it, Michael is to decide, you know, is it really that, is it really, uh, that bad that we're, you know, not getting good enough shots or whatever, you know, we did go into a stretch where we turned it over maybe two or three straight times. That's concerning. But, you know, um, when, when you've got a bunch of, you know, a bunch of shots at the rim that are, you're not making, um, and, a you know, a string of wide open threes that, that don't go in not much more like c- we can ask for than that right so there there is the only thing I probably ever concerned about is the turnovers and then if we just feel like we're getting time after time a really bad shot um there was a stretch of that but not there's also a stretch of missed wide open shots and sometimes you're just gonna have you know I, I do remember telling him in one of the at the third quarter break I was like listen we're we're getting good enough shots because I thought we probably were in the third quarter to make a run. We're getting good enough shots. I mean, we got to start making some.
0: So, Jonesy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback on Nick Nurse's comments there when he talked about the turnovers. Cause, and we're going to go back to Fred VanVleet in a second here. If I told you that the Raptors out-rebounded the Bulls Beat them on the offensive glass, at least in terms of offensive scoring, points off, you know, second chance points, 21 to 14. They outscored Chicago's bench, Raptors bench, which is a rarity, outscoring Chicago's, 33 to 28. If I was to tell you all that, to talk about 62 of their 99 being in the paint. I would think you and many people would believe that, hey, that sounds like a pretty good game. Then. I, I think Toronto won, didn't they? Or, man, it must have been tight. But here's two numbers that jump off the page, and Nick just mentioned. Turnovers. 14 turnovers for the Raptors, only six for Chicago. But here's the key. Points off turnovers. 29 points off turnovers, and the Bulls gave up only five. If you've got 29 points off 14 turnovers... Pretty much scoring on every single turnover, correct? Like, mathematically speaking? Yeah, you are. That's yeah. Scoring on every single miscue the Raptors had. And then compounding things, 6 of 32 from distance, under 19%. That's it. That's the story of the game right there with those two numbers to me.
1: Well, I mean, the, that is the story, Eric. And, um, you know, coaches can take one point per turnover – like if you turn it over 14 times and you give up 14 points that means like half the time you've you've you know you've probably stopped them but like you said Chicago basically scored on every turnover and it's the raptors that are number 3 in the nba scoring 19 points a game off turnovers let's give give that some more perspective the best in the nba in terms of Points off turnovers is is Minnesota. And they score a point more than the Raptors, 19.8. So 20 points a game average is the best in the NBA. The old adage about you hold a team to its average or below, you're going to win. Chicago had a game and a half in terms of points off turnovers. Yeah. 29. And, that's, and then especially when, and I could guarantee you, I haven't looked at this part of the video yet, but I can guarantee you a lot of those were live ball turnovers, uh, You know, passes intercepted, ball knocked away in the lane, everybody crowded around, your perimeter defenders with their back to the basket, offensive players facing the basket. And when it's a jailbreak, they can't get back fast enough to either defend the hoop or to stop the ball. You can do one or the other, and other guys are chasing it down. So that's the huge stat right there and And you know when you when you talk about uh the actual turnovers, that's about right for Toronto, 14 a game. They, they average uh 12 a game. They are pretty good uh, when it comes to looking after the ball. They're fourth in the NBA in not turning it over at about 12.6, 13 a game. So that's around their average. But Chicago, again, they're the same they're with Toronto. They're about 13 a game. They had half of that last night. So it, to me, it all feeds into, you know, the, again, the second night of the back-to-back, the legs getting heavy, the third-quarter stretch when they they had the drought. It all it all points to that. And people say, well, maybe that's an excuse. No, it's a fact of travel, the schedule, and and the way things are in the NBA.
0: Um, one more to hear from the Raptors. We're going to jump back to Fred VanVleet as uh, he. Um, spoke fairly confidently about the fact that, hey, in spite of the loss, frontals going to bounce back.
2: Uh, it's just what we've done all season. It's what we've done all season. So um, the season is not one or lost in one night. We understand that. Uh, we've had streaks on both sides, losing and winning. Um, some games are, are, you know, unacceptable. I don't think tonight was one of the ones that we'd be too upset about. Uh, there's certainly a lot of players that we wish we could have back, but, Um, For the most part, we fought, we competed, we stayed together, we tried to execute the game plan as best as possible. And um, we'll look at the film, get some rest, and and get ready for next week.
0: Well, next week, or more so, next game, (laughs) because it's not next week. Comes up in a couple of days, but the Raptors do have two days off tonight and tomorrow. Their next game comes on Thursday when they host the Cleveland Cavaliers, and uh, it's a, a home-heavy sched for the Raptors uh, coming up over the next two weeks, but certainly even over the next three weeks uh, to close out the season with eight of ten at home that next game. Again, against Cleveland on Thursday, it's Indiana on Saturday, and then looking ahead to next week, Boston on Monday, Minnesota on Wednesday. So four straight, spaced out well, which hopefully is good news for not just Fred VanVleet, But maybe a guy we haven't talked enough about. The fact that they've gone an extended stretch without one of their starters. And O.J. Ananobi as well, another floor spacer. And missing last night, speaking to the Raptors' struggles from distance, another floor spacer and shot maker in Gary Trent Jr., who was absent with a toe injury. So hopefully he's good to go by Thursday. Uh, We shall see. To uh, chat about last night, and just kind of to look ahead to the final three weeks of the season as well. The television voice of the Toronto Raptors, always love having on our friend Matt Devlin. Matty, how are you?
4: Great. Morning. How are you guys doing? All
1: good, All good Maddie. Maddie. All good.
0: Hey, Ma- Maddie, good. thanks for coming on. I know probably a, a late night flight after a tough back to back Philly Chicago, and I heard you chatting about it on the uh, on the air last night. Like uh, that was a grind because it was a late night in the Eastern Time Zone on Sunday, and then to have to go to Chicago. Um, even though you're kind of gaining an hour back, that, that that just kind of added to this last two-week stretch that, hey, Jonesy and I, we, we wish we were traveling, we're not, but you did the grind, and it certainly, I'm sure, did feel like a nine-game road trip because you were only home for a cup of coffee and right back gone again.
4: It certainly did. It had that feel to it. I'd actually say this. That was tougher, and you guys know from experience how tough that Phoenix-Denver back-to-back is. The back to back that the Raptors uh had Sunday Monday was tougher. And wow. the Flyers played a two o'clock game. Why, I don't know. Why they didn't move that up an hour or twelve noon and then to tip off at eight thirty. Now granted, you know, we're into a lot of makeup games, right? But by the time you get out of Philadelphia, and you know there's certain cities it just takes a while to get going, right and then land you raptors did gain an hour, but you still got to the hotel um at three thirty um three thirty eastern time, so you know by the time you kind of settle in and then that night you're playing a seven p m seven thirty. Uh, Central Time game, so it really kind of came at them quick. And then to not have Gary Trent Jr., they've been dealing, you know, with not having OG now for quite some time. And so for not having somebody that's a shot maker, you could just tell as the game was moving on uh, that you know the legs were starting to get heavy. And I would say this too: that game Sunday night was playoff intensity and yes. feel. And yep. that took a lot out. And then think about what happened with Philly and Miami last night, right? Philly kind of was like, okay, we go, you know, and they go get Miami. So there's just a few different things that kind of uh, added on. Chicago's a very good team. If If I look at them as a team in the East, can they make a run? I don't think so. And they're a really good team but they're not a team that if you're at full strength uh that you're uh concerned about and you know and even though their defense as both of you know continues to get better
1: Matty, uh you made a great point and Eric and I talked about it on our broadcast on Sunday that was a playoff game when you anytime you win a game in the high 80s low 90s yep. you know you are grinding it and 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 that's what it was and it was it was the classic back to back loss the, the legs yeah. get heavy in the third quarter uh and and you know you make a great point about Gary Trent Jr when you look at it last night uh, not that not that you know Precious or Boucher or Pascal can't make the 3 but i don't think they send off the smoke alarm the way um Fred VanVleet and and uh, Gary Trent Jr do with the potential of making threes, I, 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 yeah, they'll make threes. Precious and and you know, Chris and 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 Pascal. But when Gary Trent Jr. has the ball, your 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 awareness is heightened. And I thought that hurt them last night, not having a floor spacer, not having another guy to make threes, uh, and and that and that turned a lot of attention on Fred. I mean. they made six three-point shots and Fred had three of them. Did you, did you, and uh, I mean, you were there and you can feel that, you can see that. Did you detect that extra information, extra attention to Fred uh, beyond the arc?
4: Oh, for sure. I mean, they were trying to get, as you guys, you know, saw, they're trying to, you know, get the ball out of his hands. I mean, there's a couple of times where, you know, offensive rebound, kick out, he had a couple of those sort of looks and, and there is one sequence where what he attempted like three and they didn't go down. Um, I think it's one of the reasons why you're seeing Armani Brooks a little bit, right? because of the spacing that he provides, uh, the ability to shoot the three. I think that's why you're seeing that maybe more over the last couple of games than a Delano Banton um, as he continues to work on his three-point shooting. So, you know, a couple of different things, um, you know, for the Raptors uh, that we've seen, um, you know, interestingly enough, they go back with a Chua Birch, right? But I think given the fact Gary Trent Jr. wasn't there, okay, fine, we're going in that direction again. Um, Boucher was highly impactful on Sunday. Again, you know, second night of a back-to-back floor spacing. He took a couple of threes that I think were kind of early, Uh, In the clock, but ultimately, you know, this is not a team that relies heavily on the three. I mean, look at where they are statistically, but yet they they need to get a couple of those certainly on the road to provide a relief. And if you look at Gary Trent Jr.'s road numbers, they've been really strong throughout the course of the season. Unfortunately, you don't have them last night here comes Chicago. They're almost at full strength now. Um, And it got to the point, as you mentioned, Jonesy, where you could just tell, okay, you go on a run. Now all of a sudden the Bulls respond. You're missing a couple of shots. You can't get a stop. And then it, it just started to roll from there.
0: Speaking with Matt Devlin, television voice of the Raptors, Toronto losing last night in Chicago, getting set for their next game on Thursday. Uh, against Cleveland at home at Scotiabank Arena, first of four on their home floor. Uh, Maddie, one other guy, and listen, I'm not being critical at all. The guy has been all world and, and you know neck and neck in terms of the rookie of the year race, uh, along with Evan Mobley. Scotty Barnes has been fantastic, but it just goes to show how much you rely on the rookie to be good, to be great every night when he has a bit of an off night, the impact that that has as well. And uh, putting statistics and shooting aside, he just looked tired last night, like he looked fatigued, which is understandable for a rook now playing in game you know, 72 of the season. He just looked like he didn't have a lot in the tank.
4: 42 minutes in a playoff-type atmosphere on Sunday, right? Yeah. And if you look at his numbers, as both of you do since the All-Star break, he's in elite company, right? He's in you know, the names that are on this list that are averaging what he's averaging are – the best of the best in the NBA. Um, and so to me, you know, that's one of those games where you look at and you go, okay, you, you know, there's nothing, you know, just, as we've talked about already, second night of the back to back 42 minutes, playoff intensity, Sunday night, those nights are going to happen. And now you get two days, you know, rest, recuperate, uh, get ready for Cleveland and get ready for, you know, this stretch here at the end where, you know, the Raptors still have that opportunity to get to that sixth spot, and let's see if that, you know, can happen. Now, Raptors, one of the best road records in the NBA, as we know, uh, going into last night, second best uh, in the NBA only to, or pardon me, in the East, only to Philly, and they're a team that, From a home perspective, as we know through the years, I exclude Tampa, have been dominant. But this year, more than any year for the Raptors, has been disjointed at home. And and we know why, right? Fans in, fans out, 50%, not 50%, this, that, the other. So now you're going to have that home crowd, which I think is going to really help elevate them. Only two road games remain, or at Orlando, at New York. And really, it's time here in the next week to kind of take advantage of that. You have Cleveland, you have Indiana, you have Boston coming to town, the Indy one, okay, you know, don't let that be the quote-unquote proverbial trap game. Um, so it's, it's, it's time for them now, as they did on the road six in a row, let's see if the Raptors can put together a home uh, stretch.
1: I agree, Maddie, and you know Eric and I were talking about that the last the last ten games or so going into the playoffs are where you really want to be playing well, and that's the other thing too. the dilemma with Fred, like you know he's not a hundred percent, but for chemistry, for timing, I mean, he can't take two weeks off, not now, he can't. I mean it just it it, it would just it it takes too long to crank back up. And then to do it at playoff time, so uh, you know what do you see as a potential plan for Fred uh, in terms of trying to manage his minutes? Because they also they also need him in the game. You also have to win these games. Brooklyn's two behind you, and then when yeah. you look forward, you're only you're only two out of out of six, maybe even five.
4: Yeah, we saw real quick. We saw that with Kyle for years, right, where they would just give him games off down the stretch and it just was hard for Kyle to crank it back up. And then it kind of became more of, okay, we're going to keep him playing, but we're going to limit his minutes down the stretch. Right. It's a really difficult situation for Nick and the Raptors right now, because they're not healthy. Right. And it's not that it's one player. It's a couple of now key players. Now, and then you can include Fred, but as we know, it's OG, and now it's Gary Trent Jr., and you hope that he can return um, in a hurry. So you, you all of a sudden, these numbers and, of players, and, and we already saw how this played out earlier in the year, right? Um, and so you know who your top seven are. You need those top seven. And now we've seen who the eight are. Um, can you get back to the eight? And, you know, and we know who those guys are. And, and then, okay, we've, we've seen where you sprinkle in Armani Brooks or Malachi. Malachi's out, right? Malachi could help right now. Um, and so it, it is going to be very interesting. I, I think, you know, the good thing is there's only one more back-to-back scenario. And you have two days off now. You have today, tomorrow. Then you play Thursday, Saturday, Monday. That's good, right? And you're not back on a plane. So that's a positive. And then I think it depends upon what you feel and see and who's returning. How do you look at that Saturday night game against Indiana? Right, what happens on Thursday? It's a game by game. What happens Thursday allows you to make some decisions for Saturday, in anticipation and preparation for Boston.
0: Hey, Maddie, I, I think Jonesy and I are going to have to, you know, go go check the uh, the little change cup in our cars, and we're we're going to buy you a, like a, a gift card or something. We're going to send you some coffee. You know, I, I'm not even going to shout out one of the coffee joints because I don't, you know, I don't know who advertises it. Right, Seems like you need a little Joe, a little caffeine, a little jolt. So so we're we're going to buy looked, you. We're going to send
4: you a gift card. I, I, you know what? It last. It, it was a tough back to back. We we landed, and, and to, to Jonesy's point, I think, you know, because obviously I was quarantining in Charlotte. I spent twenty. I think twenty seven. The last thirty days, or twenty seven. The last twenty nine days. I was not in Toronto Jeez. right and yeah. so and so anyway, you know, and then we came back for that brief period. We go back to philly didn't even feel like a home game against the Lakers, and then you know the late night and then last night uh we landed, took us a little bit of time to um, uh to land, go through customs, and everything like that and and it was another one of those you know. You know, I think, I don't know. well, but it was 2 a.m. Maddie, or something. You know how it goes. It's life on the road. Maddie,
1: I'm, 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 I'm telling tales out of school here. Uh, you and I texting at 3.03 a.m. talking about the Lorenzen Wright trial, right? <laughs> yeah, like, <that's- laughs> like I was up watching the game again and doing some notes and breaking stuff down. And I saw it come across and I sent you the text I said, "Ah, oh, it's three o'clock. He's probably rolled over to sleep." And you message back at 3 or 4. and that's the way we went. So, exactly. So that that is, and that is a heart. Not to make light of it, that is a terrible story. Uh, and you were in Memphis, and you know some of that. But that is just awful. The whole Lorenzo Wright situation. Heart,
4: yeah. heartbreak, heartbreaking. His father was a star basketball player at Old Mass, University, of Mississippi. Played in Europe. He was shot and paralyzed um, and then to see Ren Lorenzen um, murdered just so heartbreaking and, and
1: and if Maddie, if nobody knows him because you know him more than I do yeah. but I know him a little bit what a terrific human uh, being he was like the guy was the guy would do anything for people yeah and that's that's yeah. probably what got him into trouble
4: yeah it was just it was just so heartbreaking and the whole story and you know the kids and his you know you know wife uh, you know unfortunately you know it's a part of that and, and she's serving 30 years it's just a heartbreaking story and yeah he, he he was the pride of memphis as as is penny hardaway right um they both played at what was then memphis state
1: Memphis State,
4: um, yeah, yeah, great basketball city, as you know, with respect to high school and then collegiately with Memphis, and you're in this little corridor university. That's why I wanted to see NCAA tournament: University of Arkansas and Memphis, because that was a huge rivalry back in the day. Uh, Arkansas and Memphis, um, and they're fairly close together, and, and of course, Memphis is across the river from Arkansas. And it's it's an hour from the University of Mississippi Ole Miss. And so, you know, there's some great collegiate rivalries right there, but uh, just a heartbreaking story.
0: Matty, I uh, appreciate the time today. Uh, rest up and we'll see you on Thursday. You got it. Look forward
4: to uh, look forward to getting back uh, down to Scotiabank Arena and, and seeing if the Raptors this important stretch as you guys know, so Yes sir.
0: There's Matt Devlin, television voice of the Toronto Raptors. And we will take the break, come back, and shift our attention to the NCAA on Smith & Jones.
4: Everything Raptors, before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Uh, we shift our attention from the NBA to the NCAA. And uh, what an opening it's been to the tournament as we await, uh, well, the Sweet 16 and, and much more to come. And joining us on the line right now from CBS Sports, uh, NCAA analyst, color, commentator, Dan Bonner. Dan, thanks for the time today.
5: Well, well thanks for the invitation. Hope you guys are doing well.
0: We, we are, Dan. I'll tell you, just as a quick aside, too, before we get to the, uh, to the NCAA chatter, I I made this mental note today. I don't think we've had you on the show uh, before. And I said, at what point is somebody going to ask me or tweet or something about Dan Bonner and, of course, former Raptor and longtime San Antonio Spur Matt Bonner, and it took all of about one minute for somebody to tweet out, "Hey, I'm sure Dan's great, but I was really looking forward to hearing Matt." <laughs> and I was like, "Because we've had Matt on the show many times in the past before, and and, and anytime there's a Bonner on in Toronto, uh, Dan, it's usually the Red Rocket, Matt Bonner. So it's good to have you on the show uh, to uh, to extend a, you know a, a second Bonner in Toronto, and uh, and maybe a maybe a mainstay for, for future shows to come."
5: Well, thank you. It's, uh, I'll tell you an interesting story about Matt Bonner. My grandfather was uh, one of 12. And back in those days, uh, all his older brothers and sisters were gone uh, as he was growing up. So he always told me that any time I ran into somebody named Bonner, I should ask them about their background so we could see if we were, we were related. And I actually ran into Matt Bonner's parents on the street at some NCAA tournament thing and we discussed it,
0: and we decided we weren't related. Okay,
1: there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay. There you go. Answers um, all the questions. Uh-oh. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. Dan, I, listen, we could start in many different directions, but I'm going to show my colors here as a, as a kid that grew up. I didn't go to the school, but uh, I was always a fan of the Michigan Wolverines. And, um they, to me, are, there are a lot of great stories right now, but what Michigan has done to this point right now, uh, maybe, I don't know if it's necessarily a shock, but I think they've surprised a few, and to be still standing right now, um, what are their chances, do you think, kind of navigating moving forward here?
5: Well, I mean, obviously the fact that they're an 11 seed means that they have surprised people, but... I had Michigan earlier in the year. They played at Indiana in a game that at the time they considered to be critical. And you have to remember, Michigan now was preseason number four in the country. So people expected this team to be really good. And then they just didn't perform, mainly because they just didn't shoot the ball very well. But that game I saw against Indiana, they shot the ball extremely well. And I think that they have a really good chance if – they can shoot the ball well. I know how silly that sounds. The game is all about scoring points, but with the Dickinson kid on the inside, if they can get just a representative showing from their perimeter shooters, I think that they have a pretty good chance. Although I'll tell you, this Villanova team is a machine in terms of efficiency, so it's a pretty tough matchup for Michigan. Uh,
1: Dan, uh, there's a couple games. Uh, like uh, I wish we had an hour here. I'm I'm really intrigued by St. Peter's. Especially with the Seton Hall job opening up, and there's a little chatter there around Holloway going to a school where he played, and I, I, I just hope it's not a distraction because I, I, you know I, I love their story, and we we in Canada have a vested interest in in Purdue with uh, with with Zach Eady there, and and that's a game that um, as 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 one sided as it might look on paper from a seating standpoint, that's probably going to be a lot closer than people think.
5: I would agree with that. The seating, remember, is based upon all the NCAA metrics: the Quad One, Quad Two, the net, all that other stuff that the guys who live in their mom's basements and who come up with it. Uh, that's what it's all based on. But once you get into, yeah, you know, once you get into the tournament, it's your success is based upon how you're playing. And obviously, Saint Peter's is playing with a great deal of confidence. Obviously, they're playing very well. Uh, you know, they are going to have to solve the issue, of course, that everybody has to solve when you play Purdue. What are you going to do with Zach Eady? What are you going to do with the Williams kids? Uh, what are you going to do with the Ivy? So it's, it's a very difficult matchup for St. Peter's, but, you know, maybe they're Loyola. Maybe they have that magic this year. Maybe they're the team.
0: Speaking with Dan Bonner from CBS Sports, NCAA analyst and commentator. Dan, um... Is there a team, and I don't care about the seed, you know, whether it's a high or low seed, is there a team that has surprised and or impressed you more than any other to this point?
5: Well, that's, that's a very interesting question, and the answer that I will give you is Miami. Uh, they're a 10 seed, and I, I do a lot of work in the ACC during the regular season, and, uh, you know, I had Miami a number of times, and I was impressed with their guard play, but I thought that they were a little thin on the inside. They're not very muscular. They're, they're not particularly good defensively. Uh, but when you get in this single elimination tournament, sometimes veteran guard play. I mean, all their, all their guards are like 24 years old. Uh, a team can have success. So to my mind, the biggest surprise in the tournament to me, simply because I've seen them a lot, other than St. Peter's, of course, uh, is Miami.
1: Uh, Carolina was good for Dan for basically two and a half or two and two thirds of a game before they let kind of Baylor come back. Um, is this a team that can keep go- keep it going? I mean, Hubert Davis has done he's done a pretty decent job there. And and again, you know, you look at the eight seed, but they're probably better than that, playing in a good conference. Uh, it's going to be quite the matchup with UCLA. Boy,
5: I sure think it is. Uh, North Carolina. Is an extremely talented team. And their big guy in Baycott, uh, I mean, you may just, you may as well just chalk up a double double for him before the game starts. And if they can get anything at all in terms of scoring from other guys. And that's what they've been getting. You know, Brady Manick got kicked out of that game against Baylor with over 10 minutes left to go in the game. And at the point that he got kicked out, he had 26 points. Uh, And, you know, he. He was supposed to be really, really a great three-point shooter, and it took him a long time to really get going at North Carolina, but he's now playing not only at the level that they hoped he would play, but probably way above that. And if they can get that kind of performance from him and from Davis and Love in the backcourt, then I, I, you know, they're, they're a threat to go all the way. I'm not predicting that they will, but they're another team that's playing really, really well at the right time.
0: Hey, Dan, uh, I think we've got time for one more here. We appreciate your time today, and I'm, I'm going to show the fan colors again, as I did off the top. I have long been a, much like many people, You I, to me there's never middle ground. There's no gray area. You either love or hate Duke, and I've never been a Duke guy, but it's hard to not respect, obviously, the legacy, the history, the success, excuse me, that Mike Krzyzewski and that program has had. Um, their path to potentially winning the title the 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 the, the storyline finish for coach k how do you project things for duke in terms of their chances moving forward and how this could ultimately end for coach k
5: well it can only end one of two ways for coach k either they win or they lose <laughs> and so that's not, you know that's why you have me on for this deep insight uh, but i think i think that so their path looks tough to me. Uh, Texas Tech is a team of older guys; they're veteran guys. They really play well defensively, uh, and I think that'll be a very tough matchup for Duke. And then if the seeds hold uh, and Duke wins that game, then they'll face Gonzaga. And I know I know they've had success against Gonzaga during the year, but this is a different animal now. And so I think that Duke certainly has the talent uh to win the championship but I'm, I'm surprised that in this day and age people uh are, are saying well you know they might be one of the favorites to win it because everybody else is old and duke is really young and at this time of the year i think experience really counts so could duke win it absolutely will they win it i don't think so
0: hey dan appreciate the time today thanks for joining us and uh love the little bonner history lesson off the top as well all the best
1: Okay, thanks, Dan.
0: There is Dan Bonner from CBS Sports, uh, NCAA commentator and analyst. Yes, sir.
1: There's a couple teams you really got to look out for. We didn't get to them with Dan. Uh, Kelvin Sampson's Houston team's really good. They're not a big name, not real, you know, they're not heralded that highly, but they're a good team. And don't sleep on Providence, man. Do not sleep on Providence. They play so hard.
0: Well, it's something we can dig into a little bit more tomorrow then, Jonesy, as uh, we get set for the tournament restarting later on this week. Lots to discuss. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones, folks. Wherever you get your podcast. please rate and review, download and share as well. We will be back again tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Smith & Jones right here on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.